Welcome to the Beyond Fine Equine Podcast. I'm Morgan Stevens, an equine postural and performance practitioner. I created this podcast for other horse enthusiasts to learn and hear about all sides of the equine industry. On this podcast, I'll be interviewing other professionals and getting their takes on the horse world. You can expect controversy, advice, inspiration, and surely to get your horses beyond fine. Welcome back, everybody, and Happy New Year! You've made it to 2023. Give yourselves a round of applause. Um, It's a new year, and we are excited to start the season two of Feel and Fine Equine podcast. It is going to be a great year. Season one was good, but season two will be great. We have a lot of awesome interviews lined up with some great equine professionals, and I can't wait to bring it to you. So uh, what's a better day than to bring you the first episode of season two? Today we get to talk with Ansley Bevan, who helps equestrians all over the world. She is based in Florida, um, and she she specializes in horsemanship, bodywork, and rehabilitation. She also has some online courses and her own equine massage tool. Uh, we get to talk today about a lot of great topics that I think will be really interesting to you guys and also help you guys out and give you some good perspective. So without further ado, please welcome Ansley. Why don't we start with a little bit of how you got into this career and how it became a passion of yours? Yeah, um, so thank you for having me. And to kind of sum things up, I went, I've always been um, infatuated with horses ever since I was little. So kind of have that typical horse girl obsessed story. Um, And I went to school originally for massage therapy for people. So I got licensed for massage therapy in the state of Florida. And then after working on people for a period of time, I transitioned into getting certified for equine massage. And then since then, I've just kind of built onto that with, um, you know, like some saddle fitting, continued education, um, bit fitting, nutrition, um, equine rehabilitation. So just kind of adding to the repertoire (laughs) of therapies. So that's kind of how it got started. Um, obviously I enjoy working on horses a lot more than I ever did working on people. Um, I still keep that license active, obviously in Florida, it's beneficial for a lot of reasons, but, um, yeah, the, the people came first and then I built on that with my, my equine certifications. That's awesome. So how many years have you been doing this now? Uh, 10 years. Wow. (laughs) Which I know. (laughs) Um, it was kind of just flew by. I actually got licensed pretty young. So, um, I mean, I'm 31 now, so I got my license for massage therapy when I was 21. Um, a lot of people say I don't look old enough to have been doing it that long, but (laughs) time flies and here we are. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's awesome. So obviously you are seeing a lot of horses. What are some compensational effects that you see in horses And what can owners do for that? So compensation, I would kind of, I would relate that term to more compensational movements in the horse. So when the horse is not moving in a biomechanically correct way for themselves, that's when you start to see these compensational patterns and 
tensional patterns and restrictions. And that's what helped like kind of bridges the gap to causing injury. So to say, you know, what kinds of compensations can we look out for is a little bit more vague. I think that yeah. if we're trying to, if we're trying to bring awareness to owners for things that they can look out for, I would more relate that to pain <laughs> responses. Um, so, you know, things that, that is, are easily recognizable for owners mm -hmm. and just the everyday equestrian. So, you know, if you've got a horse that's really grumpy when you're tacking up or when you're grooming, um, like ear pinning, nipping, kicking, just it, you know, instead of writing that behavior off as, oh, this horse is just grumpy, you know, that's an indication of pain or an issue somewhere, whether it's right. um, physical pain, internal pain, or something that they're unhappy with in their work routine. Like those are things that, you know, are very easy to recognize and that, you know, we should be making sure that information is out there for the everyday equestrian riders and owners to know about. Um, in terms of, you know, in addition to pain responses, I would say there are some other things that other behaviors that have been normalized that we should look out for. Like when you have a horse that is quote unquote excitable under saddle. So you see a lot of bucking um, on the backside of a fence or specifically like at a canter transition or a lead change, like these very targeted incidents, not just, oh, it's really chilly out. So they're fresh. You know what I mean? Right. Um, things like that. We need to really look at these patterns and help the everyday equestrian, the amateur rider, you know, the trainers, whoever, we need to bring awareness to this and help them recognize these patterns because those are direct indications of pain and kind of tying back to what we were talking about compensation. That's part of the compensation. You know, right. the horse is having that very acute reaction because they're trying to compensate for the act that you've asked them to do that they can't do seamlessly. You get what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. I love that because I, I, uh, have that a lot with my clients too. Like sometimes I'll ask them before I'm working on their horse, like what, tell me a little bit about what the horse's lifestyle is like. And they're like, Oh, he's so cute. Like every time I come in his stall, he pins his ears, you know, <laughs> or like he yeah. tries to bite me and I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. and it, it's hard because that's just sometimes what they're taught. Like they don't know yeah. any better and it's not necessarily their fault. So I like that you bring that up because it's important that we do bring awareness to little behaviors like that, that are compensation that yeah. people aren't realizing. Yeah. I see so much of it on TikTok. Like it's so yes. hard for me to be on the TikTok app because it's like, I have never in my life seen so much bad training oh and like just bringing, bringing comedy to like very serious things, you know, like they'll have the audios of oh, this horse is brain dead or whatever, you know, and it's like situations that I'm just cringing at or, you know, whatever the like funny audios with like things that aren't funny like right. the, oh she's a mayor she's a chestnut this and that and like clearly the horse is in pain um clearly the horse doesn't want to be tacked up is it that they're only taken out of their saddle or their stall to be ridden so they're grumpy every time you go to greet them because they know that only means work like is it that right. or is it that the saddle doesn't fit. So they're in pain every time you go to work with them. Like, you know, you really have to start doing this investigative process to get to the bottom of it. So it's like you said, the owners are like constantly normalizing these things that are indications. Like the horse is telling you, the horse is talking to you. 
and they don't, we don't listen a lot when they're telling us nicely. And then the behavior continues, you know, to get worse. And, and that's when, oh yeah, out of nowhere, my horse blew out their suspensory. Well, was it really out of nowhere or was it that you missed the warning signs? You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And I feel like the warning signs, they kind of start they start from the minute you walk outside, honestly, and your horse is in the pasture. Like you have to almost be paying attention, like, and watching your horse every step along the way. Like, you know, I like to, when I walk outside and I see my horses, I like to stop and wait for them to look back at me. And I kind of read them there. And then when I go to the gate, you know, are they kind of shying away? Do they want to come to the gate? When I grab the halter, are they ready to be haltered? when I'm doing specific movements with them, you know, sometimes, I mean, horses can have off days too, just like us. And they can have days where uh, they want to work and days that they don't want to work. So I think it's important to be paying attention every step along the way. I would agree with that entirely. I mean, I remember being younger, you know, like 14 years old, I did a half lease on a horse. Um, and every time I would go to catch this horse, like I could never catch him. I couldn't, it didn't matter how many treats I had in my pocket. It did not matter. The horse did not want to be caught. And I, and I think about that often now, you know, 15 years later, I'm like, geez, you know, there was obviously a lot going on with that horse that I did not know about. And looking back in general, in my memory, he was a generally grumpy horse. And Mm -hmm. now I'm thinking, wow, that horse was probably in pain. I had no idea. I mean, the trainer slash owner didn't know because, you know, she wasn't, I don't, I don't feel like this type of education was that prevalent 15 years ago. You know what I mean? There's so much like you as a practitioner know, there's so much um, you know, progress being made in the veterinary industry and research and all of that, that goes down to equine behavior and, you know, the biomechanics and asymmetries and pathologies and all that. I just don't feel like that was that relevant 15 years ago and, or 10 years, five years ago, even. So it's interesting to think about it that way, like small things that you don't notice. And now in hindsight are, you know, wow, that was a huge indicator that I'm, that I didn't know about. Right. Yeah. Sometimes, you you almost want to beat yourself up for it because you're like oh my gosh looking back like I could have done this and this and this to make it better but I think that those can just be learning experiences for people and we can move forward and help the horses that we have you know right in yeah. front of us so I yeah love that exactly that. <laughs> okay so uh moving on to a little bit of a different topic um I feel like we are seeing a lot more kissing spine diagnoses um, within the horse industry. And so in your opinion, why do you think that this is happening? Um, I would have to say, in my opinion, I will guess I'll break it down into three categories. One, I think that there is way too much um, of the horse not carrying themselves in a biomechanically correct way. So therefore we have biomechanical failure, right? So, um, and then second of all, I think a lot of these, it kind of goes hand in hand with the previous statement I just made. A lot of times we have these shortcuts. We have these corners where we're using um, training aids, but we're not actually building the proper musculature for the horses to support themselves to move in a biomechanically sound way. 
Um, I think that we are backing our horses too early. I think we're putting our horses into work too early. We are making demands of our horses too early. Um, I don't understand why we're, you know, why are five-year-olds entering the five-year-old classes jumping a meter 20 when they're not even fully grown at that point. So I think those are some, some big, (laughs) um, factors that are contributing to a lot of these kissing cases. I think a lot of times too, we just are missing the indicators. Um, so I think that when we miss these, these pain responses and these early indicators, um, it just gets worse and worse and worse. So if, if we would notice these things earlier, you know, and start the proper rehab and really make sure like, Hey, our, our saddles are fitting, our horses are using their core, they're developing the popular, the popular, the proper musculature through the top line, through the back, through the hind end, through the thoracic sling, all those things. And they can support themselves and and move correctly. Because what you have a lot of times is you've got young horses, you throw them in the round pen with side reins, draw reins, a Pessoa system rigged really tight, whatever it is, you lunge the crap out of them for 20 minutes, then you throw somebody on. And you know, you're at that point, it's like, First of all, your training sessions shouldn't even be that long for a young horse who mentally and physically is not prepared for that. But that's so common in the industry. It's just, it's just what it is. It's a, it's the way traditional method that that's used. You see it all the time um, across all industries, you you know, whatever your discipline is, if it's dressage, if it's show jumping, Um, I'm a little less familiar with the Western world, but I know that, you know, they back their horses young as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, a hundred percent. Uh, have you seen any cases where body work can help with kissing spine? Yeah. I mean, body work is definitely a huge, I mean, a huge factor when it comes to keeping the horse comfortable. And also when you are rehabbing kissing spine, in my opinion, rehab or I'm sorry, massage therapy, body work, um, is a key component to that because a muscle that is retaining restriction and fascia that's retaining restriction and tension is not going to be able to perform effectively. It's not going to perform hundred percent. So that's where the body work comes in. You know, you're releasing these tensional patterns, you're releasing restriction throughout the body, whether that's through manual therapy, mobilizations, PT, laser, whatever it is. I mean, there, there's all these modalities that you can use that we can term as body work. Um, that are used in combination with rehabilitation, with strengthening. Like when you think about a person, let's say you got, um, you know, a knee replacement or hip replacement or something, you would then go to physical therapy. Why? Because you have atrophied muscle, you've got new hardware in your, in your body. I mean, you've got to figure out how to break those compensational patterns from before and how to strengthen yourself so you can move properly now in the future so that this new hip or new knee or whatever it is last for you. So it's yeah. the same when you think about these horses that are going and getting these ligament snips and these bone shape surgeries or whatever it is, if they've gotten gotten that far with their diagnosis, if they've done these invasive things, like I know in the UK, they're pretty good about it. There's a lot of rehab and physio that get gets done for these horses, but I've seen horses here multiple times that'll just do like, you know, 
oh yeah, we turned him out for 30 days and then we got going again. It's like, no, 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 no. You need weeks. You need whatever it is, six to eight weeks of just groundwork, strengthening, getting that horse, using themselves properly. And a lot of times they'll skip the step of the the negative association. So like, they'll just bring the saddle right back out. Like the horse isn't going to have a negative association to it when they've just been ridden for the last however many years and they've been in pain. Pain. They're like, oh, my horse, my horse always pins its ears when I go to tack it up I don't know why it's just how they are what do you mean you don't know why like you need to replace these negative associations and unfortunately it's just something that takes time and we as humans I don't think are very patient by nature so it's it gets difficult you know but um yeah I think kissing spine is absolutely something that is just I mean I see it all the time I mean I've had multiple clients where I'm the, I'm, you know, the sixth or seventh or eighth person to come out and look at a horse or work on a horse. And I don't know why I, maybe other people have brought it up and they don't listen until I say, I'm not sure what it is, but I can't tell you how many times I've seen a horse. And I said, well, have you checked for kissing spine? Like, have you gotten their back image? Have you done radiographs? Cause I think you should, cause everything I'm seeing here is indicative. Oh, well, I don't know because you know, they're, they're spooking and they've always kind of had a history of being back sore and this and that. Yes. That's, those are indications. Like you right. need to go get it looked at. Sure enough, the radiographs come back and it's like, I mean, it's clearly been there for a long time. It's not brand new, you know? Absolutely. So, hey, my own horse, um, Charlie, he's an off the track thoroughbred. And, you know, when I got him, he had just turned five and, you know, we went through the whole thing of, well, we're back sore. Let's look, get our saddle looked at. Let's look at our, you know, saddle pads. Um, let's look at the feet. Let's do all these things. And I just, in my mind, I was like, it's not kissing spine. It's not kissing spine. It's not sure enough. It was. So, I right. mean, he's got it too. And it's like, so we've done, we did the proper rehab. I'm telling you, this horse went from looking like a scraggly, super back sore to where you could hardly touch him kind of creature we did the rehab and I my vet would come out and she's like well what are you doing he looks great I'm like you know we've just been doing our we've been working in the um we've been doing our core strengthening exercises I mean it was purely groundwork purely groundwork and the first went from like zero to hero in a matter of weeks so I mean that's those are the things yeah those are the things that take time that people don't want to do but it has such a lasting effect absolutely and I think it's it's rewarding too. Like I think, and it's honestly, you can make it fun. Like it doesn't have to be tedious and it doesn't have to be like a horrible experience or you're spending five hours out there a day, like 10 Mm -hmm. minutes a day, you know, you know, 10 minutes, one day, 20 minutes, the next, whatever you can make it, like make it fun for you. And you'll find that it's rewarding for you and your horse, I think. Yeah, I agree. Awesome. Um, so what is a piece of normalized equipment or training method that we see quite often that you think causes more harm than good? Um, well, we, we touched on it a little bit earlier, but I think that, um, training equipment wise, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of draw reins, um, or side reins, especially on younger horses. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of times we overlook just how much the horse needs to use the head and the neck Absolutely. for balance and for movement. And when you're restricting 
that element um, of their body, it's just, I think that that does more harm than good. Like I said, especially in the young horses who don't know how to move and carry themselves correctly, um, they're still figuring out their balance. So how does it make sense to basically at a disadvantage by restricting this core piece of their body that they need to use? And then in in addition to that, you're adding a rider. So I mean, it's just, even if it's on the lunge, I mean, I shouldn't even add with the rider because even on the lunge, I, I just disagree with it. Um, I just think that, you know, there are a lot of other ways to encourage the horse to use themselves correctly versus a restrictive method. Does that make oh, sense? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I mean, totally I have, agree. I have a ton of them that I, <laughs> there's a lot of things that I think are normalized that I'm just not about. Um, I think something that we also see very often is, are bidding. So a lot of times mm-hmm. if a horse is very strong, um, you know, whether it's just forward to fences forward on the flat, um, you know, maybe they don't accept the bit, whatever it's, Oh, I've got a solution for that. Let's bid up. Let's do put a stronger bid in. Let's do a more leverage. I'll get them to put their head down, you know, let's this, that, and the other. When in reality, to me, that's an indication of holes in your training you know that is that's a horse that potentially has anxiety that's a horse that doesn't feel confident in their job that's a horse that is perhaps uncomfortable um who's trying to to talk to you trying to tell you that it's not just an indication of well they've got a hard mouth or you know they're just really strong really fiery because they love their job so much so let's bid them up I mean it's not the answer and I see it time and time again I see it every barn I go to yeah oh yeah I think that that is a huge issue, especially too. You see a lot of professionals who are doing that. And so people are copying, you know, mm-hmm. what the people who are winning are doing. So, and that's the hardest part is like when you see somebody who is professional, who, you know, they're riding the Grand Prix, they're, they're scoring top level in their discipline. It's like, how do you argue against that? How do you, right. how do you convince somebody that that's not the way when they see, you know, all these other people doing it and winning and, and getting to where they need to go? It's really hard. It's, um, absolutely. it's, yeah, it's a major flaw in the industry, I think. Absolutely. I like to think about too, like these horses who are doing this and who are winning like this, like imagine what they could be doing without all that. Like, I feel like, you know, and I do, like we talked about earlier, the industry is, you know, kind of hitting a revolution, which is good, but it's, it'll be awesome to see one day, you know, people who are, who are doing these things right by their horse, who are winning and getting those top scores. And there's a, there's few out there, but. Yeah. I mean, I post a lot on my page about like comparisons and, you know, I, I like to show when I find accounts of people who are doing amazing work and they're using less, you know, they're doing super upper level dressage movements in a neck rope and bareback. And it's like, Hey, if this person can do it, you don't need, you know, all you don't need the hyperflexion and all the things that you're training with like roll curve whatever it is um Absolutely. you know you don't you don't need all that and even more so like in the jumping world as well you see some, or cross country whatever it is you see some crazy setups in terms of bits and bridles and it's so cringy it really makes my heart hurt for the horse because in reality you know that's a horse that 
that is not comfortable doing their job. Right. I mean, you hear the narrative all the time, like, oh, this this team is so great. This horse would jump the ends of the world. Well, I mean, you say that, but behind closed doors or, you know, in their training methods, what what is what is their motivation to get the horse to do what they want them to do? Most often it's, you know, a, a pressure. It's something that the horse doesn't want. So they're gonna, you know, whatever, jump this huge ditch or whatever it is, or, or gallop the speed that you need them to gallop. I mean, so it's like, so we use these methods to essentially force or encourage the horse to ask them what we want to do. And then we have to like harness this anxious energy with all these crazy bit setups and bridle setups. So it's like, we create the problem for ourselves Then we like mastermind this, you know, band-aid solution. And it's like, it's just this whole, it's a cycle, right? It's a whole cycle. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, So in your practice, what is one of your favorite modalities that you use? I use a lot of, it's kind of a blend between trigger point therapy and myofascial release. I talk about it a lot on my page. Um, I kind of umbrella term it as sustained pressure. Um, That's something that I use a lot. Um, In my opinion, the the horses that I work on, um, I think a lot of them are a little bit anxious, if that makes sense. Yeah. We've, I work on a lot of horses that are anxious that, um, you know, I'm trying to get to the bottom of something like they're kind of a mystery case or they are in a lot of pain. So this yeah. is a modality that I use a lot because it works well across all those categories. Um, so I would say that's kind of my go-to that's sort of the bread and butter of what I do hands-on wise, um, like an actual manual therapy. Yeah. But that's not to say that there aren't other things that, that I enjoy using. I think laser can be really beneficial. Um, kinesiology tape has its place, obviously for me in Florida, it's kind of hard because in the summer it's so hot and muggy and it's like, I just, I just feel, you know, you'd spend all the time to do like a complicated taping and then you you're charging the money. And then it's like, (laughs) like 24 hours later, it's, it's done. So right. Yeah. I try, I mean, I don't do as much of that as maybe I would if I lived like in a different environment, but I think totally. that K-tape is great as well. Yeah, that's awesome. That's cool. Awesome. Thanks for that. Uh, do you have a particular case that you've worked on that maybe sticks out to you that was really rewarding? Um, I don't know that I would say a singular case. I think that the most rewarding sessions in general for me are ones where you know there's there's a very visible difference from start to finish and by that I mean a lot of times I'll get horses that are really grumpy that don't want to be touched that don't want to be worked with you know I approach them they've got their ears pinned they are just in a in kind of a bad state you know and which has been ignored for a while and then by the end of the session you've got a completely different horse Um, so those types of sessions are obviously very rewarding. I go home very happy (laughs) when, um, I have that type of work. I also really like, um, sometimes the ending isn't always great because you can't dictate what the owner does with the information, but I do really enjoy helping find the answer. Like a lot of times I'll work with horses and, you know, I'll encourage them to do X, Y, Z diagnostic wise, um, with their vet or whatever it is. And then they'll find the pathology, you know what I mean? Whether it's, Hey, get their back looked at, or, Hey, I think you might have a distal limb, something going on, or, Hey, you know, you need to look at this shoeing, blah, 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 whatever it is. And then sure enough, 
they'll take a better look at it and realize, okay, that was the problem. Um, so I really like being a part of those Absolutely. because I mean, I've had a lot of people come back to me and say, Hey, like, I'm so happy you brought this up. I never would have looked at this. I've seen, you know, three or four vets. No one ever said this. So thank you so much. So those are all really rewarding too. But like I said, you can't really dictate the outcome because it's in right. someone else's after that. But those are always really cool. It's kind of just um, reassurance that I'm doing the right thing and I'm looking at the right things. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I love that. So for those who might be interested, maybe they don't uh, know a ton about you. Can you give a little summary about the courses that you offer? Yeah. So right now um, I have the foundational equine massage course, and that is meant to be a buildable course. So it's pretty much just the foundations of equine massage, um, kind of user-friendly techniques that any equestrian can learn. You don't have to be a professional to, to do these techniques. They're easy to apply. It's just kind of the basics. So you or I, as a professional therapist, um, most likely would already know the majority of what's in the class. I have had some um, professional practitioners take it and, and they liked it. My approach is a little bit different, so they yeah. still enjoyed it. But but for the most part, um, you know, it's geared to the everyday equestrian. And, you know, if you're looking at getting into the industry, maybe you're thinking about equine massage as a career, but you don't have thousands of dollars to invest in a professional class that's going to qualify you. Um, you know, this could be a good way to get your feet in the water. You know what I mean? And just kind of see if it's for you, see if it's something you want to do long-term. So that is the foundational course. There's actually an advanced course that's going to be released. The goal is the springtime of this wow. year. So hopefully I can make that deadline. Um, so that's going to be coming this year. We have a couple other online education courses that are coming as well, but those are the, the main two that are happening. And then I also have, um, I have an ebook that goes through stretching and strengthening exercises, which you can purchase that through my website. And then I also have we, what's called the helping hand tool, which is a massage tool. Um, and it comes with the video tutorial that equestrians can use on their horses themselves. It's pretty easy to use. And we go over, I go over in the tutorial, some problem areas, how to use it, things like that. Yeah. I love that. What great options for people. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, that's kind of my MO, right? I, I want to bring the education. I want to bring these user-friendly things to the everyday equestrian because at the end of the day, it's really hard for you to rely on your immediate, you know, network around you. Whether I'm not saying, I don't want to sound too negative, like, oh, you, like your trainer isn't good enough or whatever, because they are, right. but it's just nice to be able to be the one that advocate for your horse. You know, it's Absolutely. nice to be able to recognize, oh, my horse is having an issue with this and I know what to do about it. You know what I mean? So it's just kind of putting the power back in, in your hands. Yeah, as it should be. I, I love that. That's great. Where can people find more about you? Like The website is just abequinetherapy.com. Um, and that obviously has all the products and the things that we talked about just now and then my socials um I'm on Facebook and I'm on Instagram I'm kind of on TikTok I try but <laughs> not mastering it um and all those handles are AB equine therapy so you can find awesome. me on all those yeah okay great well thank you again for joining me I think that we had an awesome conversation and I hope that people enjoy this
Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Um, I always love to chat about what I do and different ways to help the horses. Wow. What a cool conversation. I absolutely left that feeling inspired. So I hope that you guys did too with your horses. Um, Please leave us a five-star review if you can. Let us know what you think. Maybe let us know what your favorite thing that we talked about in the podcast was. Also, make sure that you are subscribed for our episodes every other Friday. They will launch and be sure to also check out our social media. We are Feeling Fine Therapy on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. So make sure to check us out there and we will see you in a couple weeks. Bye. Nothing gonna hold you back when you got it like that.